Okay, we're in a series put on the screen called Perfect Gifts for Imperfect People. And we are going through the life of people in the Bible who had real problems just like you and me. And I'm going to tell you ahead of time, there's a lot of Bible reading in this series. So if that bores you, I'm so sorry. Um, but that's really why we came here to church, right? Was to hear from God and the Word of God. So there's going to be a lot of Scripture. We're just picking somebody and we're just going through their life and all the ups and downs. And last week we talked about uh, Pastor Peter and we talked about um, the prophet Abraham. And last week we talked about how Abraham had to cut off a piece of his wiener. So I just want to tell you all ahead of time, after today... No one else will be cutting off pieces of wieners after today, after today, okay? That Lorena Bobbitt spirit is in the Bible. So anyway, it goes, okay, so James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So the gifts are perfect, but they're going to imperfect people. The gifts are perfect, and they're God's gifts. So that's why they're perfect, and he uses imperfect people like us. Um, and last week in the second service, I said something so cool, and I should have said it in the first service, and so we're going to do it today. But I just started talking. I said, uh, we're looking at the supernatural versus the stupid natural. Super, supernatural versus stupid natural, because supernatural is God's part, and our part is most of the time uh, stupid natural. Uh, Dallas Willard is quoted to say this, of course God uses imperfect people. They're the only kind that exist. Only kind of so um, today, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, at one point in my life, I was the most humble man in the entire world. And to prove it, I wrote it down so everybody could read it that I was the most humble man. Um, I, I committed murder with my own bare hands. Um, at one point, God sought out to murder me. He actually tried to kill me one time. Uh, people tell me I look like Charlton Heston. Um, and. Um, I, I, and and um, I spent 40 years in the wilderness with a bunch of complainers. Who am I? Moses. Good job. Numbers 12, 3 says this. Now Moses was more humble than any man on earth. And do you know who wrote this? Moses wrote that. Isn't that great? You know, it's funny. We're going to look at a lot of Moses' problems today too. And I was thinking, when Moses was writing the first five books of the Bible, don't you think there were times where he said, God, do I have to put that in there? Do I have to put the murder part in there? Can't we just leave that out? And I feel like God said, no, I want everybody to know that I use humans. I use real people. And I think Moses thought, okay, well, at least let me tell them that I was the most humble. And that'll make up for it. So anyway, today in part two, we're going to talk about this. Deliverer and husband. Those are the two gifts we're looking at. God called Moses. He gave him the gift uh, to deliver God's people, the calling to deliver God's people. And he also gave him a wife, which is a gift. And I'll show you that. Moses and his wife's name was Zipporah. I don't know if you ever heard that before or read it. But Zipporah is his first wife. And uh, it says in Acts 7.35, Moses was sent to be their deliverer by God himself. And Proverbs 18.22 says, A man's greatest treasure is his wife. She is a gift from the Lord. So we're looking at the human side, the stupid natural side of Moses, and we're looking at the supernatural stuff that God used him for. Uh, last week we talked about Abraham. So let me show you the lineage. You got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. And you know the story of Joseph, right? He was sold by his brothers into slavery. He ended up in Egypt, but God made him second in command to Pharaoh. So Joseph is the second most powerful person in the world. When Joseph became second in command, he brought all of his family with him. If you remember the story in the Bible, there were about 70 of them. If you want to write it down, there were about 70 in his family because there were a lot of, there, he had tons of brothers and there were wives and there were children and all that. Well, after a few years, they were reproducing and the Israelites, which is Joseph's bloodline, Joseph's family, they were starting to outnumber the Egyptians. 
And so the Bible says in Exodus 1.8, Now a new Pharaoh arose who did not know Joseph. So this new Pharaoh is in charge, and he didn't know that Joseph saved all the Egyptians from, from um, famine and all these other great things. So when he saw that Joseph's blood was starting to outnumber the Egyptians, he put a decree to um, enslave all of God's people. So for 430 years, the Israelites are now un uh, enslaved under one Pharaoh to the next Pharaoh to the next Pharaoh. And they're put out a decree to kill all of the baby boys that are being born. Okay, so that's where we take off. They're trying to kill all the babies. Uh, they enslave God's people. But God has a plan. His plan is to give a man, just like you and me, the gift of deliverance. God chose to give Moses that gift. And because Moses starts the letter M, all of the points of today's sermon start with the letter M, as you can see on your handout. Okay, we have seven points today. We're going to go through his entire life, starting with his birth. So point number one, the supernatural thing. And the point number one is mom. Mom. Okay, Exodus 2 verse 1 says this, A man of the tribe of Levi married a daughter of Levi, and she bore him a son. And that's Moses. Now I want to say real quick, if you ever heard of the Levitical priesthood, they came out of the tribe of Levi. And God's plan in the future was to use the men out of the tribe of Levi as the leaders and the priests of the people. And this is years before God already knew what he was doing by calling Moses. And it's just a very, very cool thing. So she bore him a son. She hid the baby for three months. When she couldn't hide him any longer, she took a basket, covered it with tar to make it watertight. She put the baby in it and placed it in the river. The king's daughter just happened, in that moment, just happened to come down to the river to bathe. Moses just happened to be floating by. Suddenly she noticed the basket in the tall grass. The princess opened it and saw a baby boy. He was crying and she felt compassion. Now this is her dad is killing these babies. So this is a supernatural thing. The princess instructed her servants, find a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby for me. So out of all the millions of women who had lost their babies, their babies are dead and they're still able to nurse, the one woman they just happened to get was the baby's own mother. Supernatural. The princess told the woman, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will even pay you. I'll pay you to take care of your son. They didn't even know it was his mom. When she, the child was old enough, the princess adopted her as her son and named him Moses because the word Moses actually means to draw out of uh, the water. So supernatural, right? Supernatural. Supernatural that this mom entrusted her child to God in the Nile River. Uh, supernatural that um, out of all the times the princess was bathing, it was right there when Moses was floating by. Supernatural that out of all the women they could find to nurse the baby, they found the mother of Moses. Supernatural that she decided to pay. So the enemy is paying God's person to take care of the baby when they were trying to kill it. That is all supernatural. I wonder how many times God has protected our children and we did not even know. I wonder how many times, and, and, and assuming you've given your children to the Lord, no matter how they're living or what they're doing, and you trust your children to God, supernatural, that how many times has God saved them from a car wreck? How many times has God saved them from the wrong influence offering them drugs? How many times has God saved their life and protected them, and we had no idea you did it? That is supernatural. So surely, when this man grows up and realizes what a supernatural thing God did, surely he's going to live a great life and never do anything that displeases Jesus just like you and I, right? He's going to be as good as you and I are. Okay, point number two, stupid natural. The M word is murderer. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Now Moses was grown. He was 40 years old. He went out to his people, the Hebrews, saw an Egyptian kill a Hebrew. Moses looked both ways, because he was a good driver, and when no one was watching, he killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. 
The next day he went back and saw two Hebrew men fighting. He said, why are you beating up a fellow Hebrew? The man answered, who made you ruler and judge? I want to stop right there. It's interesting to me that they already saw the gift in him that God gave him. He just wasn't using it correctly. And I, I often wonder with our teenagers or people that you love, you know, relationships you're in, and they're not serving God, but you can see the potential. You can see the gift inside of them. It's very obvious if you just think about it, what God wants to use them for. They're just using it the wrong way. And, they, and you know, Moses became the ruler and judge over the people. I mean, the Bible talks about it. So, are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian? When the king heard about what happened, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled to the land of Midian. Acts 7.23, Acts 7 talks about this a lot. Moses supposed that his people would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. So Moses was so arrogant and prideful. He knew what he was supposed to do. He knew he was supposed to deliver God's people. He thought he could do it one Egyptian at a time with his own bare hands and hide all their bodies in the sand. That's pretty arrogant if you ask me. And it's amazing what God can do in one day, we can't even do in a hundred years in our own strength. And Moses was going to rely on his own strength. You know, if he decided to kill one Egyptian a day, it still would have been thousands of days and years until he finally was able. But God can do it all in one day when we turn over our gift to him, right? Okay, so we're getting into the good stuff now. Point number three, supernatural, and the M word is mountain. Exodus 3, 2. One day Moses came to Sinai. This is 40 years later. He's 80 years old now. The holy mountain. There the Lord appeared to him as a flame coming from a bush. Moses saw the bush was on fire, but it was not burning up. The Lord said, Moses, Moses, I've seen how cruelly my people are being treated in Egypt. I've heard their cry. Now I am sending you, the murderer. I'm sending you to Egypt. The call was still on his life. It, God did not think, you would have thought after 40 days, God would have said, I'm going to find somebody else. 40 years God waited for Moses to get his act together. He said, I'm going to send you to Egypt to deliver my people out of this country. Acts 7.30, when 40 years had passed, it's the same story, an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. You know, I heard that whenever um, George W. became president, they asked him who he wanted to pray in at the inauguration. And he said, I want Moses. And they said, you can't have Moses. That's impossible. George W. said, I want Moses. They called up Moses. They said, Moses, the president wants you to be the one to, to pray for the inauguration. And uh, Moses said, I'm not doing it. They said, you can't say no. It's the president. Moses said, yeah. Why do you not want to come and see the president? Moses said, last time I spoke to a bush, I was in the wilderness for 40 years. I'm not going to do it again. So anyway, okay. So I worked really hard on that part of the sermon. This it took Moses 40 years to realize he can't do it in his own strength. And, and I wonder how many of you are not at that point yet. That you're still trying to accomplish what God wants you to do in your own strength and not relying on him. And the call of God was still there. A murderer is being asked by God to do one of the greatest things in the entire Bible. A murderer is doing, and you know right now Israel's under attack. I don't know if y'all saw that. Israel's under attack. Okay, listen, God's going to protect his people. Romans eleven twenty nine says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. They're still there. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter what anyone has said about you, the gift is still there. My question is, are you going to use it or are you going to sit in the wilderness for 40 years you know, wiping your injuries and putting band-aids on the blood? You got to get back out there. I heard about this sculptor. He, um, he lived on an island in the Bahamas. 
And uh, one day he was walking by a big plantation that was owned by the richest man on the island. And the man lived in a huge white house, acres and acres of green grass. There were palm trees all around the property. When the sculptor was walking by, he saw on the side of the property these discarded pile of tree trunks. And so he asked the plantationer, he said, can I have one of those in the plantation? I said, sure you can. He said, if you want an old, dirty, discard a piece of wood, it's yours, you can have it. So the sculptor thanked him, picked it up, carried it all the way back to his hut, sat it down. He analyzed it hour after hour, looking at every single piece of it. Finally, he began to work. For days, weeks, he carved with exact precision. There was so much detail. When it was all finished, it was this majestic eagle with wings stretched out. The claws were back like it was soaring in the air. The details were incredible. He sat outside of his little hut, and one day the plantation owner was walking by, and he saw the eagle. He asked the sculptor, where'd you get this? I'll give you $1,000 for it. The sculptor agreed. The man paid him the $1,000, picked up the eagle, started to walk back to his plantation. When he got about 50 feet down the road, the sculptor yelled out, you know you just handed me $1,000 for that old discarded tree trunk that you gave me a while back. The next day, the sculptor was walking by the plantation owner's home, and there was a sign out front that said, tree trunks for sale, $1,000 each. <laughs> what God has put inside of you is always going to be there. It's up to you if you're going to let him release it or not. The call of God never, ever leaves. No matter what your children have done, no matter where they're at in life, the call of God is still there. It's like we're just waiting to turn ourselves over to the sculptor. Let them chisel out all the bad stuff and turn us into who we're supposed to be turned into. Point number, uh, let's see, point number four for your notes. The stupid natural and the M word is mouth. Exodus 3, chapter 10. God said, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh so you can bring my people out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? This is so funny. Forty years ago, he thought he could do it all on his own. Now we don't even know who he is. How can I go to Pharaoh to bring out the Israelites to Egypt? And when I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, they'll say, who are you? What's his name? Moses saying, God, who am I and who are you? Now we don't know anything. What shall I say to them? Exodus 4.10, Moses said, God, who's going to listen to me? Don't send me. I'm not a good speaker. I stutter. I stammer. I have a heavy and awkward tongue. He was so strong 40 years earlier, he was a murdering a man with his bare hands. Now he says, I can't even talk. God said, who made the human mouth? Who makes people hear, speak, see? Is it not I? God was saying, you, you, just, you can say blah, 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 and I'll make him hear, let my people go. You just do what I'm asking you to do. I'll take care of the rest. You just obey me with that gift. I'll take care of everything else. Here's my question. Did Moses have a speaking problem, yes or no? Did he? Moses said he had a speaking problem. Do you think he had a speaking problem? Let me show you what God says about him in Acts 7.22. Moses was taught in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in speaking and mighty in words. Here's my question. Are you going to believe what Moses said about himself? Or are you going to believe what God said about him? Okay, let me ask you. Do you believe what uh, you think about yourself, or do you believe what God thinks about you? Because that will determine how far you go with the gift that God's given you. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, The words from my mouth came from the faith in my heart. We said, Listen, don't say anything negative about yourself unless you want that to happen in your life. 
James 3.8 says the tongue is full of deadly poison. Every time you're tempted to listen or speak negative things, it is like Satan injecting poison into your bloodstream. I read a true story about this teenager. He wasn't doing very good in school, and uh, he was just failing test after test after test. And he tried his best, but he just was not a good test taker. And uh, he ended up dropping out and trying to, you know, work on a trade. And he spent 17 years of his life uh, just fumbling through, just trying to get odd jobs here and there, um, a lot of minimum wage jobs. He never really found what he was supposed to do, never accomplished much. Every time he tried to go further, those thoughts would ring out in his head. I'm just not smart. I'll never succeed. His problem was his worth was coming from his stupid natural self and not his supernatural God. One day, uh, he applied at a company for a minimum wage job. And at this company, every potential employee has to take an IQ test. The thing about this IQ test is it's verbal, where they speak to you and ask you questions and you respond. He took the test and he scored higher than anyone in the company's history. In fact, his IQ qualified him as a genius. He turned down the minimum wage job, he started writing books, invented several products which are now patented, and he started his own million dollar company. Unfortunately, he wasted 17 years of his life because he put more value on his own thoughts than he did God's thoughts. And I wonder how many of us in life are doing the same thing right now. We're living in mediocrity because we're not getting in the Word to see what God says about us. We're too busy watching social media, news, internet things and comparing ourselves to everybody on there. We don't even know who we are. don't even know what the gifts are inside of us. Point number five for your notes, supernatural. Now, it's, it's, it's amazing. Moses, supernatural birth, then he's a murderer, then God speaks to him on the mountain, then he says, I can't do anything, and now supernatural, a miracle. Exodus 4, verse 1, Moses said, Suppose the Israelites do not believe me. The Lord says, What do you have in your hand? What have I already given you? What, what, what do you have on you, Moses? Moses, it says, uh, Moses answered, A rod. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. When Moses threw it on the ground, it became a snake, and he ran because he was smart. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Again, take the thing by the tail. I'll tell you why in a second. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Okay, so all Moses had was a rod. Now, the thing about Moses' rod, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't, didn't have jewels on it. It wasn't, you know, diamond plated. It wasn't gold. It was just a stick. But it was his talent. you got to imagine if you're a successful shepherd out in the wilderness for 40 years and there's no internet and no cell phone and you got animals and this is all you have, this will become your best friend and you'll be able to do all kinds of stuff with it. Like um, Tom Hanks with the, with the volleyball. Uh, Wilson. Wilson! You know, Moses was like, run! And um, so I bet Moses could spin this thing. I bet he could flip it up in the air, all kinds of stuff. And God said, okay, Moses, that's the talent. I need you to throw it on the ground. You're throwing out. So Moses throws it on the ground, and then all of a sudden, and I spent a lot of money on this, he picks up a snake. You know how much this prop cost us. We worked really hard on stuff here at Solid Rock. He better say, grab my tail, and then he throws it back down. It becomes a rod again. Okay? Here's what God was saying. Release whatever you have to me, and I'll turn it into whatever you need to fulfill your destiny. If you need a microphone to lead two million people, I'll turn the rod into a microphone to lead two million people. 
If you need it to be a cancer-free report, I'll turn it into a cancer. If you need it to be a best friend, I'll turn it best. Whatever you need, release what you have to me, and I'll turn it into whatever you need to fulfill the call. Okay, I heard someone say this. Our hands are much smaller than God's hands. If you'll release what's in your hands, he'll release what's in his hands, and his hands are a lot bigger and better than what we have in our hands. But we have to be willing to release it to God. Um, and, you know, when, one time Moses used the, the, the rod to part the Red Sea. He needed it to part the Red Sea. The rod held in the air and the Red Sea parted. <clears throat> and there's actually a true story. And um, years ago at a, at a uh, secular college, this professor was talking about the, where the Red Sea is and, and geography. And he was trying to disprove the Bible. And he found out, and I think this is actually true, that every, I think it was every 400 years or so, there's a season of a year, like three or four months out of a year, where the Red Sea loses a lot of its water and uh, it gets to about six inches deep, is what it does. And this professor discovered that the time of year and the time of you know, our world history, when Moses and the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, it was only six inches of water. So he told the class, after he proved it to him, he told the class, see, it wasn't a miracle because they walked across the six inches of water. Well, there was a student in his class that was a Christian. He raised his hand and said, well, first of all, it is a supernatural miracle because out of every 400 years, it does it just a few months. That was a supernatural miracle that the time they needed it to be six inches, it was six inches. Not only that, but it's a miracle that the entire Egyptian army drowned in just six inches of water. That's amazing. That's a miracle. <clears throat> so the, the professor conceded. Okay, so Exodus 4, 18 through 23 says this. Moses went to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please go, let me go and return to my people in Egypt. They can see if they're still alive. Jethro agreed and told him goodbye. So Moses and his wife and sons, remember that, put him on a donkey, set out for Egypt, carrying the rod of God in his hand. Remember that too. The Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those miracles or wonders before Pharaoh, which I have now put in your hand. I'm giving you the ability to do miracles because you released what you had to me. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse, I will indeed kill your son, your firstborn. Okay, a few things. First of all, God is a gracious God and he gave Pharaoh ten chances because the firstborn was the last one. Nine supernatural plagues and Pharaoh's heart was so hard. You know, you, ever, you sometimes you wonder about people and you think, God, why won't you, if you really want them to be saved, why don't you do amazing things and just show them your you know, supernatural miracle and then they'll finally turn to you? Well, God knows a person's heart and he will do everything he possibly can. But some people are so prideful and so arrogant, if Jesus Christ came out of heaven and stood before them, they'd still say, I don't believe. So Pharaoh had nine chances before it got to plague number 10. The other thing I want you to see is this, is in the Bible, Moses' rod, it was always called the rod of Moses until after he laid it down. From that moment forward, it was always called the rod of God. Because once you release your ability to God, it becomes his ability. And he can use it through, he can use you with your, okay, so... I need you to learn that the reason he picked up the back of the snake is because we need to be careful. It's our ability that can actually turn around to bite us. Um, a lot of people fail in life not because of their weaknesses, but because of their strengths. And I bet if you looked at your life, a lot of the major things you've done in your life that were wrong, the big mistakes, I bet it's because of a gift that's inside of you that you're just using the wrong way. I'll use myself as an example. Um, I'd like to think that I have a good gift of communication. In fact, I remember one time uh, years ago, uh, this guy came to our church. He was visiting in Myrtle Beach, 
He was a very well-to-do CEO of a huge multi-multi-million dollar company. And after church, he wanted to meet with me. And I could tell he was wearing a nice suit. I saw the Rolex on his, you know, he was driving a Bentley outside. And so I thought, who is this guy? What's going on? I met with him and he said, he said, if you ever stop preaching, I want to pay you. Uh, and he gave me a great offering salary to go around the country and train all of my people on how to sell. And I said, I don't even know what you sell. And he handed me a card. It was some type of a computer or internet phone, something that had to do with that stuff. And um, I said, I don't know anything about this. He said, I don't need you to know anything about this. He said, you're the best salesman I ever heard. He said, you could sell a lighter to Satan. That's what he told me. I said, I thought, wow, this is great. Uh, he, what he was saying was, I see that you have a gift. You can talk people into things. You can convince people of things, okay? Do you know in my life, that's been most of my problems, is I convince people to do things before they're ready, before God tells them it's time, before their heart is ready, before they have the character to do so, and I push them, and I put them in a position, and I can see their potential, but I push them further ahead than where God has them, using the gift God gave me, and it's got me into a lot of trouble in my life. It's our gift sometimes that causes us the most problems. Uh, point number six for your notes is this, stupid natural, and we're going to look at his marriage. Now, this is the biggest twist in the entire Bible. In the entire Bible, you'll never find a bigger twist with any story, with anyone's life, Old Testament or New Testament. Moses is ready, right? So he's supernatural birth. He becomes a murderer. God still calls him. He says, I can't talk. God says, here's a miracle. I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do with your life. So Moses is ready. He's got his wife, his sons. They're headed to Egypt. All he has to do is say, let my people go. Four easy words. God will take care of everything. He's got a miracle in his hand, his rod, whatever he needs it to be, God will do it. This is the biggest twist in the whole Bible. Exodus 4, 24, at a camping place on the way to Egypt, the Lord met Moses and sought to kill him. Moses. God, this man is 80 years old, and the Lord intended to kill this man and start all over. God has spent 80 years years trying to get Moses to go back to Pharaoh. Finally, after 80 years, Moses is going to do it, and God is going to kill him. It doesn't say the Lord sought out to punish him or to spank him or to discipline him. He sought out to kill him. This is the Old Testament type and shadow of Jesus Christ. This is the man that Jesus brought to the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah. This is the most central figure in the Old Testament. The law came through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus, Old Testament through Moses, New Testament through Jesus, and God is going to kill this man. Why is God going to kill, kill his servant Moses? The very next scripture, verse 25, then Zipporah, his wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son. Okay, listen, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight with your spouse before, and you know, you throw pillows and stuff like that at them, or you know, you throw a tissue box or whatever you do. I've never heard of a fight, not even on Jerry Springer, I've never heard of a fight so bad that the wife takes a stone, cuts off her son's, and then all of a sudden picks it up and throws it at her husband. This is a bloody scene, people, and I cannot believe God put this in the Bible. This is hilarious. So the Lord, she said, surely you are a husband. She, she threw it at Moses. Surely your husband will blood me. So the Lord spared Moses' life because his wife circumcised their sons. Why is this? Moses was about to go back to the Israelites to two million people and reinstate circumcision. 
They had been in slavery for 430 years. They had not done it. Circumcision is the type and shadow of New Testament salvation because it is, it's a circumcision of our heart. It's that God remove the stuff that, you know, is not healthy and just keep the good stuff there. Moses is supposed to preach it to the Israelites. He was going to preach it to the people. He was going to teach it to the church. And he wasn't even living it in his own family. This great, powerful man of God who God used to do amazing things He's helping two million people come to Jesus, but he's not doing it in his own home with his wife and kids. Now, I don't know if you can tell, but Zipporah was a very strong woman, personality-wise. She does it. How did she know to circumcise her kids? Here's how. Moses told her about it, but he never taught her about it. He told her, never taught her. He was a great man, but he wasn't the spiritual leader of his home. I mean, this is a gruesome scene. She picks up a stone. She tells her son to drop their drawers and she cuts them. Lorena Bobbitt right there. Now here's the thing. How old do you think the boys were? They were in their 30s. I know. You don't want to be circumcised in your 30s. You definitely don't want to be circumcised by your mom in your 30s. And while you're screaming in pain, you definitely don't want her to throw it at your dad. This is horrible. I mean, the boy's like, Mom! They're probably like, Mom! You know, how can you do this to us? This is horrible. So Moses and Zipporah right there, they separated. And we don't know if they ended up divorcing or if she ended up dying later on in life because he did marry an Ethiopian woman afterwards. But they split up. So this is Exodus 4. From Exodus 4 to Exodus 18, he's separated from his family. Exodus 18.1 says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, how he led him out of Egypt. Then Jethro took Zipporah, Moses' wife, who had been left behind, and her two sons, and brought them to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Now he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife, and in other words, take your wife back, take your sons back, right? You, 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 you raise a daughter not to be held on to. You raise a daughter to be given. And he's saying, you need to take this woman. You, you know, I've given her to you. I remember I did a wedding. I've done about 150 weddings. And one year ago, the father of the bride was a, a huge, big old redneck guy, dip in his mouth. He had a hook in his hat. And, you know, he was, he was confident, bold. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't shake him. And during the rehearsal, he was bawling his eyes out, crying, snotting during the rehearsal. And he were practicing. I said, okay, at this point, I'm going to say, who gives this woman to marry this man? And you say, her mother and I. And he's like, uh, her, I said, her mother and I. Her is just four easy words. Her mother and I. That's all you got to say. So for the whole rehearsal dinner, he's I can see him at the table. Her mother and I. Her mother and I. Her mother. The next day I get to the wedding. He's walking in the lobby, pacing back and forth, her mother and I, her mother and I, her, mo her mother and I. We get to the wedding, it's packed, and I, I say, okay, who gives this woman to be married to this man with tears and sun? My mother and I. <laughs> the dude, you had four words. That's all you had was four words. Okay. So Moses and his wife and kids are separated. Listen, during the most supernatural times of Moses' ministry, the times when God used Moses more than ever, was when he and his wife and children were separated. Zipporah doesn't get to see her husband stand to the, to the ruler of the whole world and say, let my people go. Zipporah doesn't get to see her husband turn water into blood. The children don't get to see their father part the Red Sea, 
water from the rock, the plagues on their enemies, bread from heaven. When we get to Exodus 18, all of that had already taken place. They missed the whole thing. I'm just trying to show you that, that if you've been separated, divorced, God can still use you to do great things. Yeah, it's horrible, but God can still use you. Because He uses normal, stupid, normal people. Stupid, natural people. That's all, that's all we can bring Him is ourselves. We got nothing else. If we could change ourselves, we'd change. We can't even change ourselves. Only God can change us. Last point for your notes, number seven. Supernatural. And I put mortal Moses because this is his death. You know, a lot of people, they get upset because God didn't let Moses go into the promised land. But I think God did something better than that for Moses. I think he, he brought him into the eternal promised land. And um, something that God did, that, that I, the most extraordinary privilege, I think, in the entire Bible uh, you see, no one else, no one in the history of the world did God do this for but Moses. And God was his undertaker. God preached his funeral. God buried Moses. Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died, and the Lord God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab. What an extraordinary privilege that was. The Lord will never be done with you, so don't you be done with yourself. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Heads bowed, eyes closed. It can be... It can be so... scary to go to God with all of your flaws and say, I still want you to use me. I still believe you can do great things in my life. To go to God as a murderer, <laughs> to go to God as someone who's separated from their family, to go to God and say, God, I don't know who I am, I don't know who you are, but if you want me, here I am. If you're here today and you've been making excuses for why you have not released that ability to God, release that gift to God you have it you know it's there you're a prayer warrior you're an encourager organizer you have prophetic gifts inside of you the gift of miracles healing prayer deliverance whatever it is you've probably known you had it since you were a kid honestly in fact I bet if you look at your life you'll see you actually used it in, in places where it actually got you ahead. And you probably actually look and see you used it in places where you really messed things up as well. But if you're here today and you have not fully released that gift to Jesus, for Him to use His ability through you, can you lift your hands so I can pray for you right now? Okay, thank you, Jesus, for the 50, 60 hands up. Lord, everybody that has their hands lifted right now, it's us recognizing that we need you to change us. We need you to encourage us. We need you to use us. We repent for using that gift for the wrong things. We repent for using that gift in part and in pieces and not in whole. We repent for holding on to it and not giving it to you. So today, Lord, everybody that has their hand raised, we are releasing that gift to you. As a step of faith, God, speak to us about what you want us to use that gift for to build your kingdom in new ways. It is all about you, not us. So Lord, please, 
right now. The gift that you put in us before we were even born. Let it come to fruition in new ways. Let it open up new doors like we talked about last week. Lord, use us like you did Moses. Yet we got problems, yet we screwed things up. But we know the only type of people you can use are flawed ones, and we fit the bill right there. So use us. Use the gift. You put it inside of us. It's yours. It belongs to you. We just want to be the conduit. So Lord, I pray that every person releases that gift to you. Let it be in their mind all week long how they can use it for you, how they can honor you with it. God, I thank you for using people that do stupid, natural things. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Y'all stand your feet. Let's